And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. Well, the 2023 hard red winter wheat harvest has been one for the record books in the southern Great Plains, and not particularly in a good way. Oklahoma Wheat Commission Executive Director Mike Schulte says producers had challenges from the beginning. We really didn't think we were going to harvest anything just because of the long-term drought. We did start getting rain the third and fourth week of May, you know, when the crop's ready. And um, I think in all instances, producers across the state have just been so thankful for the moisture. We haven't been complaining about it. It did allow us to uh, harvest some things that probably we thought would never even make um, a a crop at all. So in those instances, it did help us in parts of central Oklahoma. Uh, But there was just so much loss to begin with. Once farmers got in the field to harvest, Schulte says they struggled to get the crop out. It seemed like we would get on the combine and maybe cut a half a day and then the next day there might be five tenths to an inch of rain depending on location that really has gone on since memorial day uh, up until the fourth of july and you know we're still struggling in some areas in northern oklahoma and uh, the panhandle regions trying to get this one out Schulte says about 90% of the crop is harvested in Oklahoma, but he does not know if in locations where the rains have continued to fall, where the fields are muddy and have rapidly growing weeds, those locations may not be able to complete the harvest of those fields. Schulte is pleased with the quality given all the challenges, though, that farmers have faced this harvest season. I mean, there are some lower test weights in the central part of the state. I suspect now we're getting into lower test weights on this last bit that we're harvesting in northern Oklahoma. But in many places, we were able to get 50 to 70 percent of the crop out with test weights uh, being 60 pounds or above average overall for the state. We're maybe going to look at a 59 pound test weight. And I think that's pretty remarkable considering the year that we've had. And once again, that is Mike Schulte, executive director of the Oklahoma Wheat Commission. Also, before we uh, get to our break here, I thought this was an interesting story. For those whose primary experience with corn is the butter-drenched cob variety, it might come as a surprise that other forms of sweet corn are in trouble. A new University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign analysis shows sweet corn production for frozen and canned products has been steadily shrinking in the U.S. over the past 27 years, particularly in rain-fed portions of the Midwest. Study author Marty Williams says, quote, we saw a decline in acreage throughout production areas in the Midwest and Pacific Northwest, the regions where most processing sweet corn production is happening, end quote. Now, although the analysis was designed to illustrate long-term trends, not causes, the study found a strong relationship between extreme temperatures and sweet corn yield loss implicating climate change. Data set can't predict where the industry will go next, but Williams sees potential regional shifts in production areas, such as moving into locations with more irrigation infrastructure. Well, the Mississippi River levels have gone from too high for shipping in the spring to too low this summer. Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, says river levels have given shippers whiplash since fall of last year. Last fall, we had historically low water levels on the Mississippi River, and all of a sudden the pendulum swung quite profoundly to high water levels this late April and early May. And that was largely attributed to a significant amount of snowfall in the upper Midwest in the late winter, early spring. So that resulted in quite high elevated water levels in a very short period of time. It closed the river for a period of time for barge transportation. Even with the higher water levels in the spring, Steenhook was vocal about the threat of low levels returning to the Mississippi. Given the fact that most of the farm ground in the Midwest and Plain states is still 
considerably dry. Even with that snowfall that we had, very little of that was absorbed into the ground because the ground is still very cold at that time of the year. It wouldn't require that pronounced of a dry period to all of a sudden return us back to low water conditions on the inland waterway system. And that unfortunately has happened. And so we're seeing water levels are back considerably low, you know, when you compare it to last year, which was a very low water year, a very dry year. Some stretches along the Mississippi River are even lower than they were last year, and Steenhook says it'll be a challenge to recharge those levels. At various spots on the river, we're either lower than we were at this time last year or comparable to where we were last year. So that doesn't pretend well as we look in the future during the time when we need to be transporting a lot of soybeans and grain during harvest season, which is our key export window. Obviously, a lot can happen between now and the fall. But one of the things that's just continually a reminder to all of us is that you can have some rain that occurs, but so much of that is just absorbed into the ground when you have such dry conditions. So that's going to take a persistent amount of precipitation to really turn this trend line around to a positive direction. And that's something we're certainly hopeful for. The current river levels are quite different from more typical years. Yeah, we're about six feet lower in St. Louis than we were at this time last year. Memphis is just marginally higher. Normally, when you look back at, say, 2021 or 2020, at both of those locations, we were about 20 feet higher at both of those locations this time of the year in 2021 and 2020. So it just really kind of shows what kind of departure the last couple of years have been. And again, that is Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Well, investigators were recently at the Ringneck Energy Ethanol Plant in Oneida, South Dakota, looking into the cause of an explosion and fire at the plant that occurred the Sunday after the 4th of July. Six employees were at work at the time, but no one was injured. Walt Wendland is the president, CEO, and chairman of the board of Ringneck Energy. He says based on location of the damage, they have some idea of what may have happened. We think there was a vapor that, uh, that accumulated in an air vent and... And um, when that ignited, it basically set off um, an explosion inside the process building. So fire marshals were here today. They're investigating uh, the cause. So we don't know exactly what went on, but we're kind of narrowing it down. Wendelin says they do have repairs to make in the ethanol processing part of the plant. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of uh, sheeting to put on, uh, but it looks like um, the equipment survived extremely well, especially the some of the electrical electronics and the computers. You know, we're really thankful that that all survived in great shape because I was told the lead time on that would be about a year to replace it. So that's what we were hoping to avoid. It looks like we, we have been able to do that so far. So um, they're not done yet. Our insurance company will uh, show up also and, and do an investigation. But uh, Things are proceeding. He says the damage could have been much worse. We don't see any structural damage. You know, we see a tin that got blowed off the walls, which is a good thing because it takes the path of least resistance. So that's probably a good path to take. And Wendland adds that for now, the area around the Ringneck Energy Ethanol Plant is still closed to the public. Luckily, though, again, no one injured in that explosion at Ringneck Energy in Oneida, South Dakota on Sunday, July 9th. 
Well, we are out of time here on this episode of American Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us, the program produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.